Good morning. Some of you guys are quiet and you need to open up a little bit, right? Good morning. Uh, thank you, two people. Uh, I'll just keep doing it. I'm annoying like that. I'll just keep doing it until we get there. Uh, good morning. Because um, it is a good morning, right? Because Jesus is here. Um, this morning, if you have your word, you can go ahead and open up to John 6. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm excited to be here. Uh, whether whether we are or you are or everybody is, I am. And uh, I'm, I'm ready for what God's going to say this morning. Um, man, uh, so good. Heard of me in John 6 this morning, and we're going to continue a series we started last week called All In. Isn't that good? Just already, All In. We didn't have to preach, right? You can just figure that one out. All In, because we're all in the building, right? That's not it. Uh, or we're all in religion. That's not it. Um, see, we think of all in. I'm just, this is not what I studied, so we're just going to go with God this morning. Um, when we think of all in, what we think of is just like we're, we're doing the thing, right? Like most of us, we, we're all in because we come to church, right? We, we're here, woohoo, we're ready. Or uh, we we're all in because we're singing the songs, and, and that's not the deal this morning. See, the reality of it is we started this year off, right, in, in January, and we were talking about this uh, prophecy of, uh, of, of God to the people, Israel, who are coming out of captivity, and he tells these people, these broken people, these desperate people, these people who really don't know what's about to go on at all, who are returning to this land, who have just been in captivity. That's a shame itself, God's people in captivity, and they're coming back out of that, and, and God, through a prophet, says to them, well, when you go back, why don't you stretch out your tent? Amen. What do you mean stretch out my tent, brother? I'm like, just coming out of captivity. I don't even have the tent. Like, <laughs> Stretch out your ropes. Drive your pegs deep. And he says, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Well, coming out of captivity, I don't know if you know this, but there's probably a little fear right there, right? Coming out of captivity, I don't know what to do. Coming back to a ruined city and surrounded by like a ruined, just remnant of a nation that used to be this mighty, powerful people of God. We're coming back out of that, and then God says, into that, I want you to stretch out your tent. I want you to stretch out your ropes, drive your pegs deep, and he says, don't hold back. They could have chose to say, I don't, I don't know that that's going to work out, God. I don't, I don't know. Like, we, did you not know we just come out of captivity? We can't do that, right? We, we can't. We can't just go expending all our tent material right now. We need to save some. We need to put some back. We need to. We, we can't go just stretching out all our ropes. Like, what about a rainy day? Like, what if there's a rainy day? We might need rope. We not, might need some more rope. So can't do that. And then driving the pegs deep. Like, but but what if it doesn't work out here? What if we need to just pull it up and move somewhere else? What do, what do you want us to do? We gotta hold back, right? But that's not what God said. And see, the reality of it is, if God says it, what He means is it, right? Not. You need a plan B, because if God's got a plan A, then that's the plan. There's not a plan B. God doesn't ever need one. Plan A always works, right? And this morning, we're kind of eight months later diving into that same idea. We said eight months ago uh, that we were going to be that this year. It didn't hold back. It just went for it. It just, okay, whatever you want, God. And and we've, in, in some part, done that, right? Good Friday, that's one. Example, oh, let's just spend a bunch of money and go downtown and see if we can fill up an auditorium with 45 people. That'd be great. 2,000 seats. See what happens. But the reality of it is, as a church, maybe we aren't holding back, but individually what I know is we are. How do you know that? Because I can see you and you can see me. I can watch you and you can watch me, right? I'm trying to put some in reserve or hold some back because maybe, maybe it doesn't work out, right? That's not what God said. 
And, and this morning and maybe last week and the next week, we're going to talk about this idea of not holding back, of, of being all in. When I say all in, what I mean is like we take everything, right? And we push it all to the center. And we say, God, do what you want to do with it. See, I think in the church we've come into this mentality that if we give God some, it's enough. Like we just give him the bare minimum, just give him what he asks for, right? If I just show up, right? If I just show up, God will be pleased. If I just like 10%, right? Like just the ten, we got the 10% mentality all over church. If I just worship like 10%, right? I don't have to do it every time. I just got to do it sometimes. When it really hits me, when it really hits me, when they get the goosebumps, man, I got to throw that hand up there and we worship 10%. When the reality of it is you are worthy is like, okay. You don't have to have, that's not a feeling, that's a truth, right? So it's not about like worshiping 10%, and it's, it's not about even giving 10%. That was the starting place, right? It was like last week, some of you are mad already because I'm talking about money, but you can get over it, um, I don't care. Um, but that's the starting place, right? Last week you said the, the tithes and the offerings or the contributions, like that's the, that's the beginning place. We got like church attendance, we're like, I'll just come, you know, like I'll give God 10% of my life. I'll come Sunday morning, and if you go to a church that does this, we don't do this, but if you go to a church that does this, you can come Sunday night, and then like maybe Wednesday night, we do Thursday here, but you get the idea, right? Like 10%. How much, I don't know percentage-wise what it works out to, but like even if you go to Sunday school and have a Bible study, it's not much, right? Seven 24-hour days, and we got one, two, three, four, maybe five hours a week. You can do the math on that. I don't even know if it's 10%, right? But we got that 10% mentality. And then if, if we go over, we're like so mad. We're like, oh, I got to eat. I got to eat right now. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. He, he held me late. Well, get over it because you're a 10% mentality person. And that's not the really deal, is it? The disciples were like, oh, Jesus, I'll come 10% of the time. It'll be great. I'm going to come when you're healing people, but I ain't coming any of them other times, right? Like, see, the reality of it is we've invented that. God never said that. And see, most of us, when we even talk about it, we know it, don't we? We prayed this prayer, right? Everybody prayed this prayer. Everybody in Tennessee has prayed this prayer. Most of them are lost, but everybody's prayed this prayer. Uh, Father, save me. I'll give you my life, right? Amen? You did that, right? Everybody's done that. You go ask them. I mean, you a Christian? Oh, yeah, brother. Why? I mean, I went to church that one time on Easter, and I prayed that prayer. I'm Christian. Well, you're lost and dead, but we're not going to say that because we don't want to offend you, right? But that's the truth. And see, the reality of it is, is that mentality has infected the churches. And, and what it is, is we have this apathetic view towards God, where if we give him just a little bit, he should be pleased, right? If we give him just a tiny bit, like God should be thrilled, he should be happy. But the reality of it is, all of us prayed the same prayer, didn't you? Save me and I'll give you my life. I don't even know what I prayed, and I guarantee you, somebody said that and I repeated it, right? Because I've said it for everybody else, right? Save me and I'll give you my life. I had to learn it from somewhere. Or save me and I'll follow you, right? We've all prayed that. And see, the reality of it is when we say those words, what we mean or what we, what, what we kind of mean is in that moment, yeah, we'll give you everything. It's the only thing that makes sense, actually. Jesus, you died for us. You gave your life for us. You left glory for us. You came down for here. You lived a perfect life for us. You took our nails. You took our stripes. You took our crown, and, and you suffocated to death on a cross. And the only thing that really makes sense and respond to that is you can have everything but then we get into that church thing, right? And we start pulling that back. And we're like, I'll just take some of that. I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. And what we do before long is we, we hoard up all our chips on our side of the table. And we're like, here's Sunday. You happy? <laughs> oh, okay. I made some money this week, so here's $10. 
What about now? I'll come to Sunday school. Seriously? Change it to Caleb. All right, I'll get the bumper sticker, but that's it. You're done. (laughs) These are mine. And then we're like, God, are you happy? You should be. I gave you Sunday. I gave you some money. I put it in the plate. Aren't you proud? Pat me on the back, brother. I I changed my radio station. You should be glad. And he's like, but what about Monday? See, the reality of it is God doesn't want our actions. He wants our heart. And when when he has our heart, our actions will follow. So when we talk about all in, what we're talking about is sliding all those chips to the center and then letting God pass out the chips. You can have Monday. You happy? Yeah, I'll give you some money. You happy? That's the way it should work, but we don't do it that way, do we? And this week and next week and last week, we're going to talk about this idea. And today we're going to look at an example of that in John chapter 6 and John chapter 6, we see, uh, if you just read ahead, right, like the fourth sign, feeding 5,000, it's the title. So if you've heard this story, just ignore it. I'm just kidding, uh, <laughs> by the way. Um, that's that chip mentality, right? I don't have to listen this week. He's already in this one. Um, but that's the story. That's where we're going. Most of you have heard this story, but through the grace of God, I, I hope that it's different for us today. See, the reality of it is I heard about the cross probably 8,000 times before I ever come to know Jesus. I was raised in church. I grew up in church. I was there probably every Sunday. Uh, and then over and over and over again for 11 years, I heard this message. This is, this is the cross. This is the cross. This is the cross. This is the cross. And one day it finally made sense. So you may have heard this a million times and never got it. It's amazing how the Bible works. Um, But this morning, we're going to read John 6, and it starts off after this, so we know that something already happened, and that something is Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem. He was was in kind of the capital city, the most, uh, like the the place where God put his name on planet Earth, and he was teaching in that place to these people. He's teaching a different uh, set of teachings and things like that than what they would normally hear, and this story takes place chronologically after that. Um, Thank you for the context there, uh, John. and it says that after, the, after he was teaching in Jerusalem, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee. You can look that up later. It's this big kind of mass. It's really more of a lake than a sea, but they call it a sea. And, and it's a, the place Jesus' ministry, for the most part, was centered around, and it has another name called uh, Tiberius. So same place, different name. And it says in verse 2, And a huge crowd was following him. A huge crowd was following him. Amen, right? Jesus has achieved it. That's the goal, right? Every church, every ministry, that's the goal, right? Jesus is there. A huge crowd was following him. Oh, thank you, Lord. That was amazing. Um, A bunch of people were there. We could just maybe put it that way. Physically, they were there where Jesus was. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, maybe, maybe not. Probably not all. But they were there. This huge crowd was coming after Jesus because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. Uh, it's amazing. They showed up. You know why they showed up? Because Jesus was doing something. Works the same way, actually, today. You start letting God do things in your life, and people will show up. That's how that works. But these people specifically showed up because they had seen Jesus do things that nobody else could do. Jesus, it's amazing, actually, what he could do. He could look at men, look back one chapter, who'd never walked before and say, get up and take up your mat and get out of here, and they would do it. Isn't that crazy? 
Like, imagine that. Like, go down to Fort Sanders today and walk in a room where somebody's been, like, lying there their whole life. They can't move their legs. They can't move their arms. They're just kind of there. And, and to say to that person, hey, get up, and then be like, oh, okay, that's a really great idea. And just get out of the bed. Like, that would make the news, right? Or, like, you go up to a person who's never seen before. They've been blind their whole life, and Jesus is just like, and rubs their eyes, and then, bam, they're open. Oh, you can see now. That's amazing. Like, that would make the news. That's a pretty big deal. Even beyond that, Jesus could walk up to, like, graves, right? He could walk up to graves that people had been dead inside of, and he could just call into that grave, hey, why don't you just come out of there? And the dead person's like, oh, that sounds like a wonderful idea. Let's get out of these grave clothes. And they just walk out of the grave. Like, that's a pretty amazing thing. And people see this, and they hear this, and they've, they've heard other people that have seen this. And because of that, they're like, let's go see what Jesus is doing today. It's the same way today, actually. We make it really hard, don't we? Oh, nobody wants to hear about Jesus. No, nobody wants to hear about you. They love to hear about Jesus, right? The problem is we've quit telling the stories about what Jesus is doing because we've bought into that lie that uh, nobody wants to hear that. But the reality of it is everybody wants to hear that. See, the, rea- the reality today is there is a lack of hope on the planet. You know that? Go watch the news, right? There's a lack of hope on the planet. There's all kinds of stupid stuff that happens on the news every single day. And it's because people want to know there's hope. And they want to know there's love. And they want to know there's something better than that. We argue over stupid stuff, right, that doesn't really matter. Because we want to know there's hope. At the end of the day, that's what everybody wants. And that's what they wanted. And they've seen this. Oh, there's a man that can talk to people who've never been up before. And they get up. I need to go see that man. Oh, there's a man that can call into tombs and wake dead people. They will come out. I need to go see that man. See, there's hope in that. And these people have kind of caught on to the glimpse of that. And they're like, well, let's go see what Jesus is doing. So they come all the way. Like Jesus left Jerusalem and he went across the sea. And those people were like, where's he going? And they, they didn't all have boats. So they walked around the perimeter of the Sea of Galilee, a long journey, right? a journey that would have been a little bit hard to follow Jesus to the other side. They apparently walked at a speed that was pretty great because they beat him there, right? Like there, he, they, he pulls up on the shore and he's like, oh, there's people standing over there coming towards me. And here come these people coming towards Jesus. And it says a huge crowd uh, was coming toward him. Uh, sorry, I skipped some. Uh, so it says when Jesus saw them, Jesus went up the mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. Jesus is not running from the people, by the way. Uh, these, these mountains or these hills that were there would have been great acoustically to sit down and to teach from. You're like, well, it didn't say anything about teaching. Well, Jesus is always teaching. If Jesus is surrounded by people, Jesus is teaching. Yeah, this morning, Jesus is teaching. I just want you to know that. Jesus is here, and he's talking, and he's about to tell you something if you listen up. So Jesus went up. He sees these people, and they're like, oh, they're just coming to hear me talk. So he goes up this mountain, and he sits down. The posture that other teachers would take in this time period, Pharisees, Sadducees, when they were teaching, would sit down. And Jesus went up this mountain, and he sat down there with his disciples, and he waited for the people to come around. In verse 4, it says, Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Amen, right? Like, woo, why? Uh, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, why is that there? Because we didn't really need that. That's just like, that's not, you could take that verse out, and the story would still be there, Right? Let's just try. Uh, Jesus went up the mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. Skip verse 4. When Jesus looked up, right? You can skip that verse. Why is that there? Well, there's a couple reasons I think that verse might be there. One, 
If you don't know much about the Passover, the Passover was a festival the Jewish people celebrated every year from the time they left Egypt up until this very day, right? They still celebrate it. You can go, if you meet Jewish people, they still celebrate this if they're practicing. It's what they do. And this festival is a celebration of what God did when they were in Egypt. God rescued his people. He pulled them out of captivity, they were slaves to the Egyptians. They were, they were in captivity. They were oppressed. They were beaten. They were uh, kind of beat down. And it was God's people, and he didn't like that, and he rescued them out. And the way he did that was through a series of, of plagues. And the final plague was this plague where the angel of death would come into Egypt, and all the firstborns of everything, right, animals, people, all the firstborns of everything would die unless you did what Moses said to do. What Moses said was a couple days before, take a lamb into your house, a spotless, blemishless, like perfect little baby lamb. I want you to take it in your house. I want you to treat it like a pet. I want you to love it, prepare it, and then a couple days later, I want you to kill it. Then I want you to take this little lamb's blood, and I want you to paint the doorpost. Even if you look up the doorpost, it would look like a picture of a cross. And if the angel sees the blood of the lamb, the angel of death will pass over your house. Why would this sentence be here, right? What, why? Why, God? Why does, why does that matter? They're not celebrating the Passover today. They weren't about to sit down on this mountain and bring out thousands of baby lambs, were they? Like, that's not the story if you've ever read it. So why is it there? In this moment, God's reminding us of the purpose, right, of, of Jesus, as Jesus sets before all these people, Jesus is coming towards the Passover. And, and, and Jesus, by the way, would be, would be killed on the Passover. Um, and he's reminding us in this moment that it's his blood, right? The angel of death will pass over with his blood, that, that it's only God who rescues his people from sin. Isn't that cool? In a story about bread. Isn't that cool? Story about fish and bread on a mountainside. God's still like, it's about the cross, brother. It's about the cross. It's only about the cross. It's about the blood. Like, yeah, you can come to watch Jesus heal people, and that's an amazing thing. And you can come to watch Jesus feed people, and that's an amazing thing. And you just keep doing that. But if you never get the part about the blood, you've missed all the rest of the stuff. Like, oh, Jesus healed my brother-in-law. That's an amazing thing, and let's celebrate that. But if you miss the part about the blood, you're still dead. Oh, I didn't have groceries, and then they showed up on my porch. Thank the Lord. Well, that's great, and I love that, and let's celebrate that. But if you miss the part about the grid, the, the blood, you may be fed, but you're still dead, right? In this moment, God says, in the middle of this story, right about bread, he's like, oh, the Passover's coming. The Passover's coming. These people are coming. The Passover's coming. This Jewish festival about the blood of the lamb, it's coming. And here's my son right here in the middle of the story. It says, when Jesus looked up and he noticed the huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip. Philip's one of the disciples. You probably don't know his name, but he's there, right? And it says that Jesus says to him, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? Where are we going to buy bread for these people? Now, this is a great choice for Philip because Philip is from this area. Philip grew up in this land that Jesus is at right now in a town called Bethsaida. It's where he was from. And, and, and he's a great choice to ask this question to. So Jesus just looks at him. He's like, where are we going to get bread? See all them people? They're hungry. They walked a long way to get here. They want to be fed, right? They, they want to be fed. They come all the way over here for me to give them something. And, and where are we going to get enough bread for all these people? 
Philip at that moment would have went into a panic because he's looking out at these people and he knows, man, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to feed all these people. Jesus, why in the world are you asking me this? You know, there's, there's not enough bread in Bethsaida for everybody here. There's not enough. And it says that in 6, and I love this, he asked him this to test him. Why would you do that, Jesus? Like, why in the world? Why would you do that? For he himself knew what he was going to do. I love that. Why, why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you put poor Philip through that, right? Like, why would you? He's, he's worried now. He's going to have a stroke over some bread. He's like, there's no way in the world we can feed all those people. He's freaking out. He's like, Jesus, so I look, ask Peter. Like, don't ask me. Yeah, Andrew, like, just somebody else, some Philip. Nobody even knows that I'm a disciple right now. Like, that's me. Why are you asking me about bread? All these people had come to watch Jesus do what? Heal people. All these people had come to watch Jesus perform a miracle. And here's this man who's with Jesus every time he performs a miracle, right? Every time Jesus has done anything noteworthy in the Bible and some things that we don't even know about, this man's with him. And Jesus looks at him and he's like, man, you've seen me do a lot of cool stuff, haven't you? How are we going to get enough bread for all those people? You've seen me heal people. How, how are you going to feed them? You see me wake the dead. How are you going to feed him? How, how are you, Philip, going to do it? And see, the reality of it is what Jesus is looking for is I'm not. I am not. I cannot. See, what Jesus wants Philip to do before Jesus fixes this problem is to become acutely aware of the problem. See, the reality of it is... Um, Philip in this moment is spending way too much energy trying to figure out where we're going to get bread. When the bread of life is right here beside him, right? At that moment, it wouldn't it make sense to turn to him and be like, I don't know, Jesus, like you're Jesus. How are you going to feed all these people? Jesus, we just come from a town where you told a guy who never walked before to get up and to walk, and he did it. And I can't do that, but you can do that. So what are you going to do, right? But see, let me just be honest. We're Philip every time, aren't we? There's a problem. We're like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? This thing's big. It's big. It's huge. Jesus, what am I going to do? What do you want me to do? Jesus, like, how am I going to do this? Jesus is like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know, Jesus, I can't do this. Like, there's a lot of people coming in. I don't, I don't I have my wallet, but I mean, there's not that much money in my wallet. And there's not enough bread in Bethsaida to get all these people some food. What, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, I don't know. What, what are you going to do? And you play that game with Jesus? You ever been there? Instead of just being like, I don't know, Jesus, what are you going to do? So we ask him this to test him. Hey, let me see if you figured it out yet, brother. Let me see if you figured out who I am yet. See, the reality of it is Philip had walked with Jesus for a really long time, and he should be able to look and should be able to tell and should be able to see, but he doesn't. Physically walks with Jesus, yet he doesn't see. And we think we do. It says Jesus asking this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. And seven, it says, Philip answered. This is when he's having the stroke moment. Uh, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. He's like, oh, man, Jesus, I don't know, man. We don't even have that much money. And even if we had like 200 denarii worth of bread, we wouldn't be able to feed these people. They wouldn't even have like a little bit, right? 
We don't use denarii, so let me just do it this way. Um, 200 denarii is about, that's uh, a lot, 30 times whatever makes 200, right? It's like six or eight months wages. I looked it up yesterday, but I don't remember now. It's a lot. That's a lot, right? You get one denarii a day if you're a common man and, and you do common work. You're, that's, that's like a, a middle-class salary right there. So 200 days worth of hard work wouldn't buy enough bread for all these people, is what he's saying. Man, they wouldn't even get a little tear, is what he's saying. We don't have that kind of money in the bank, Jesus. We don't have that kind of stuff to do this, Jesus. I, I don't know if you see the problem, but I see the problem, and the problem is bigger than me. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about it. We don't have enough money. Still missing it, right? Jesus is about the money. No, it's about the dude beside you. It's about the bread. No, it's about the guy, right? And he says in eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, right? Here's another guy you probably don't really know about. Simon Peter, we got that one. It's a brother. That's how he had to relate it to us in the Bible because he knew. We just only knew like three disciples. Timothy because he was a failure. And then Peter because he walked on water. And I don't even know, like John, right? Like we could name like three and then everybody else is just like, I think there are 12. Yeah, Judas, you can name him because he was horrible. Um, but but we, we don't know most of them. He's like, ah, you're not going to know Andrew. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves. By the way, that's poor people's bread. And two fish, these are like two little salty sardine looking little <laughs> preserved nasties, like two fish. I don't want them. But what are they for so many? This is Andrew. So Philip had his chance. He's freaking out. He's in the corner somewhere <laughs> shaking. And here's Andrew. And somehow he figures out that this boy has five barley loaves and two fish. I don't know if the boy was just snacking or if the boy walked up and said, hey, I've got this or what. But, but somehow he finds out this boy has five barley loaves and two fish. And he brings this little sack lunch, right? It's just a little bitty thing. It's like a snack mostly. It's like a little lunchable, right? He brings this thing to Jesus and he's like, um, hey, um, I mean, we got five loaves and two fish in here. But that's a lot of people. That's not enough. That's not enough. Can you imagine hearing, hearing this if you're this little boy? You just brought your lunch up to Jesus, and you're like, I know you want to feed people. Here's what I got. Like, I don't think the disciples were out there shaking down the crowd for bread. I really think this boy just walks up, and he's like, I heard you talking about feeding these people, and I brought lunch. So if you need it, you can have it. This boy gets something on a level that Philip and Andrew don't yet get. And he brings this little lunch up to Jesus, and then here Andrew is beside him bad-talking his lunch, right? Yeah. I mean, this little boy brought me this junk. Like, there's like five barley loaves in here and two fish. So, I mean, if you want it, you can have it. But it's not much. It's inadequate. It's not enough. It's not going to do anything. Nobody's going to be able to do anything with it. It's not good enough, Jesus. But it's all we got. That little boy. But I gave you my whole lunch. What do you mean it's not good enough? I'm going to be hungry. I gave you my lunch. It has to be good. No, it's not good enough. It's inadequate. Andrew is not your friend, right? You don't want to have an Andrew. 
Andrew's not got the spiritual gift of encouragement. And he's here before Jesus, bad-talking this other guy's gift. But this other guy brought everything he had. It's not enough. What do you mean it's not enough? It's everything. You can't do anything with it, but it's everything I got. It's never going to feed all these people. I don't have any more. I'm putting it all on the table, right? I'm giving it everything and if I was the kid, I might have been like, well, give me my lunch back. I'm <laughs> going to go sit down and eat. I'm not going to be hungry. I prepared. And it says, and then Jesus said, have the people sit down. Jesus apparently is not discouraged, right, by the five loaves and two fish. He didn't say, ah, it's pitiful, Right? It's never going to be enough. It's not good enough. It's inadequate. He didn't say, man, you are so right, Andrew. And Philip, man, I just, I don't know. We just, we need to take up collection or something. We just need to figure it out. See if we can get some ordinary. He didn't say, well, they'll just have to feed themselves then. He said, tell them to sit down. Tell them to sit down. Tell them to rest. He says, there was plenty of grass in that place. Um, cool. So they sat down. And it said, and the men numbered about 5,000. Now we finally have like a scale of the crowd, right? Like a, earlier, it's just like a huge crowd, massive crowd, big crowd, lots of people, can't feed them all, 200 denarii. Like that's all we got. And then here they're like finally a number. There's 5,000 men. It doesn't even list like the women and the children who are there. There could have been actually up to about 15,000 people sitting on the grass on the mountain with Jesus that day. And here's five loaves and two fish. And Jesus looks at it and he's like, okay, tell them to sit down. They sit down on the grass. And it says, then Jesus took the loaves. He received them. He accepted them. Isn't that great? Yeah, you're not there with me, are you? Ah, uh, that's cool, whatever. No, like there were five loaves and two fish, and Jesus was aware of the massive undertaking, right? He knew this massive crowd that was there. He knew there were too many people, really, to be feeding five loaves and two fish to, and he tells them to sit down, and then he receives the offering. This offering that, by the way, Andrew is like, it's never going to be enough, it's never going to be good enough, it's never going to do anything, it's inadequate, it's not going to do it. An offering that Andrew was not pleased with, Jesus was pleased with, and it says that he tells him to sit down, and he accepts these loaves, he takes these loaves, and it says, after giving thanks. Not only does he accept them, he like thanks God for them, Right? five loaves five poor people bread loaves barley loaves i don't even want that like i don't know what that is i don't want that doesn't even sound good but there are five of them and there are two of them little sardine things i'm calling in mcdonald's or something that doesn't sound like good food to me but jesus takes it and then then he accepts it and then he gives thanks for it like praise thank you god for this food andrew it's not enough well what are you doing why are you thanking God for that? You need to be thanking God for more. We need something else. We need to bring in the trucks. Like, I don't know where the catering is, but we need that stuff because this isn't going to do it. And Jesus takes these things and he, he says, thank you, God. Now, I don't know about you, but we, we call this the blessing, right, where I come from. We're going to pray over the food. 
It's a blessing. Who wants to bless the food, right? Who wants to, wants to bless the food? What Jesus is doing right here is he's blessing this bread. Jesus is putting his blessing right, right on that bread. Nasty little barley loaf bread. And it says, after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. He just starts passing it out. So also with the fish, then it says, as much as they wanted. Now, like, this is the miracle in the Bible that I would like to have been around for. Like, I I can kind of get a mental image of how it goes down with, hey, you've never walked before, get up, and then that thing happens. I can kind of do that, right? Or... You've never seen anything. I'm going to rub some spit and mud together and put it on your eyes, and then you can see. Like, I can kind of get a mental image of that, the, the coming up to a tomb and being like, hey, come up out of there, and then them coming out. Like, I'd like to see that, but ultimately, I kind of can, in, in my brain, I can get an image of what that looks like, but I cannot for the life of me get an image of Jesus just sitting down with these people and picking up one of those loaves and just starts ripping off bread, Right? Like four or five tears, and he should have been done with that loaf, right? And then on to the next, and on to the next. Yet for some reason, after Jesus blesses this bread and breaks this bread, there is enough that everybody can get as much as they want. A minute ago, Philip is declaring over the problem, right? Not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen, don't have enough money, not enough bread in Bethsaida, not going to work out, never going never gonna to work, we're never going to feed all these people. And Andrew comes behind him and he's like, I mean, we got five loaves and two fish, that's as much as we can get, but you see how many people are over there, this is inadequate, this is not enough, it's never going to get it, it's never going to cut it, not everybody's going to get any, actually, I don't even know that all of us can eat any of this, like, if, if it would be a miracle if we fed the disciples plus Jesus with this Lunchable, right, like, and then now, like, there's 5,000 men plus women and children, this is not enough. And then Jesus looks at it, and, and he goes, actually, it's more than enough, right? It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Thank you, God, for this. I'm going to bless it. And he just starts breaking it. Like, I would have been walking behind Jesus, like, how long is that loaf? Like, what's going on? I wonder if, like, he just ripped through the first four, and then on the fifth, he was just, like, forever just throwing it out. And you were like, what's going on? Or you spread it out equally over the five? I don't know. Or if, like, he just never got to loaf two, three, or four, or five? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? You just, I don't need the others. I just needed one. And he's just, like, (laughs) flicking it off forever. He's just breaking this bread. But for some reason, Jesus blesses this, and then he breaks it. And in that moment where Jesus blesses it and breaks it it becomes enough that everybody has not only a little or a piece or a taste but as much as they want everyone was satisfied but the amazing thing is so was the boy right like he he was the one at risk here because he prepared he brought his lunch he brought the five loaves and the two fish and he took it up and he said jesus you do what you want and in that moment he could have not eaten and I think he was okay with that. I don't think he would have offered it if he wasn't. I, I may not. I may, I may not get any. But if Jesus, you need to eat, here, you, you take it. You do what you want with it. It's all I got. He risked a whole lot, right, to give his whole lunch to Jesus. I don't know how far this boy lived from here, but he, he probably didn't live close, and he definitely didn't live on this mountain. Some of these people walked miles and miles and miles and miles to end up in this place, right, where Jesus is a day maybe, two days maybe. Maybe this boy come from very back in the beginning, and this is all he had left. Uh, who knows? 
But either way, like he was going to be hungry for a little bit if God didn't come through. But he had decided in his mind and his heart, you know what, it's okay because Jesus, you're pretty awesome. I've seen you do some really cool stuff. So you, this is what I got. You do what you can. And he hands it to him. And because he was open-handed with God, not only was he completely satisfied, so was everyone else sitting there. Now, that's a miracle. I don't know about you. Like, if, if I could just take this little water, right? Like, I got just a tiny bit right here. And I was like, everybody go get a cup. Some of you had, like, really big cups, like them big gas station mugs, right? And some of you guys have, like, little bitty styrofoam cups. But everybody has a cup. And you just, I'm like, all right, get in a line. I'll just start pouring this out and pouring this out and pouring this out. And everybody goes through. And you're like, you know what? I'm still thirsty, so I'm going to go get some more. So you come on back through. And then somebody else is like, I want thirds, man. That was good water because it's, you know, God water. So that's good. I'm going to come back and get some more of that. And you just come through and come through and come through. And finally, everybody's like, you know what? I can't have any more water. And I'm like, all right. Wouldn't that be cool? That's this miracle, right? Here's some bread. I'll be back in a minute. Let me know if you need anything. It's like better than Fazoli's, right? Like you just (laughs) eat and I'm going to bring it. And it says everybody has as much as they wanted. Basically till everybody was full, the bread didn't quit. And it says, and when they were full, oh man, there it is, predicting the future. Uh, And when they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftover so that nothing is wasted. What? A crazy statement. (laughs) Like the audacity to think that Jesus would even say this is like, oh my gosh, like you had five loaves and two fish. Like that's what you had, Jesus. I don't know if you're good at math, but like there were five loaves. Even if they were huge, there were five. And two little bitty sardine looking salty fish. Like that's all there was. And we passed that out to everybody. You just, I don't know what you did, but we passed that out to everybody. What do you mean leftovers? Brother, there weren't leftovers before we opened the bag. Like, there was nothing in that bag. That was like a snack. Like, I'm, I'm still really confused about what happened. What do you mean go collect the leftovers? What an outrageous statement, right? I'll just go, you know what, Peter? Um, well, you get Andrew, because he doesn't have it together. And then uh, Philip, you know, I ask you, and you failed. Uh, why don't you just, you get out there. Uh, and then boy that gave me your lunch you you go help too right like you you go take up leftovers just remember you had five loaves and two fish so you go do the math and then you guys get all the leftovers and you bring them back right here we don't want to waste anything that's a crazy statement if you look back right like i don't know mathematically how that's even processing with your brain right now maybe it's like ah who cares but to me that's a really big deal I'm not even good at math, and I know that doesn't make sense. And then Jesus looks at these guys, and he's like, go get the leftovers. I'd have been like, you're, what? There are no leftovers, Jesus. There were five loaves and two fish. I'm not even sure anybody ate but me. Like, I think I ate five loaves myself. Like, I'm full, thank you, Lord. But I, I think there's going to be, you're sending us out there with those people who may not have eaten and asking us to ask them for leftovers. Nope. Rain check. <laughs> but they did it, right? It says, so they collected them and filled 12, count them, baskets. <laughs> what? Can you imagine how confused the disciples were walking around with these baskets? Did you have bread in your pocket? 
What about you? <laughs> How did you, did you bring a lunch now? Did you? Who brought the food? Who did that? Well, I got mine from Jesus, so I don't understand. How, how, there's food in this basket. And then they get back together, and there were 12 disciples, right? And then now there are 12 baskets full of food. Like everybody got to experience the fact that Jesus did something crazy right there. And they walk back around, and they're like, did you get any? I got all, but what? You got a basket full? I got a basket full. We didn't have a basket full when we started. How'd that work out? We had a little lunch bag, right? Like five loaves, two fish, and now there's more than there was at the beginning after everybody's eaten and everybody's full and there's leftovers. How'd that work? What was in your lunch, dude? (laughs) And it says, when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who is to come into the world. Equivalent to the statement, this is the Messiah. Equivalent to the statement, this is the Son of God. When the people saw the sign, it blew their mind. Because there was no way that made sense. Right? Like maybe, just maybe, right? Like maybe, just maybe, you, you, you met, worked something out with the dude who who never walked before and he really like is just pretending like maybe just maybe that happened you're like get up and he got up and and that was cool and maybe just maybe you planted like some dude in a tomb and you're like pretend like you were dead and like you come up out of there and maybe like some dude is walking around like this but he could really see and 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 you like got that whole thing rigged but I saw the loaves there were five I watched you tear the loaves I watched you divide the fish, and I ate, and you ate, and you ate, and we're all sitting on the grass together, and I was watching, and nobody pulled anything out of their pocket. It all come from up there, and we're on a hill, and Jesus at the top, and there's no, like, smoke and mirrors thing where he could just pull baskets of bread out from under some rock. Like, that couldn't have happened. I, I even watched him walk up the hill when he got here. Like, there's no way this makes sense to me, and, and because of that, this has to be him because nobody else can do that. Like, nobody else can do that. Now, see, to me, that, that's, that's crazy, right? Like, you're looking at that, and you're like, that, that, that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big miracle. But where did it start? Like, where, where was the origin of that miracle? What, what, what enacted that? What set that into motion? Was it Philip, who was complaining about how much money he didn't have? No. He got to participate in it, and he got to watch it, and his faith was strengthened, but there was no miracle that come out of, oh, my bank account's not big enough, right? Was it Andrew who was standing there being like, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. I just want everybody to know we don't have enough bread. <laughs> it's not enough here. Can't do it. Is that where it came from? No. What it came from is this little boy who looked in his bag, and he's like, I I don't have enough, but I have something, right? It may not be enough, but it's something. 
I may not be able to meet the need, but I can, I can, I can give toward the need, right? I can, I can put something in the hands of Jesus and let him take charge of, of what the outcome is. I can just, I can give what I got, and then whatever I got in the hands of Jesus may be enough. Like maybe, just maybe, he can do what he says he's going to do. That's the heart of this little boy. Isn't that crazy? Grown men walked with Jesus every single day, like three and a half years, walked around with this dude, watched him do all this crazy stuff, watched him heal people and call out to dead people, and, and he, he would do amazing miracles on, on the daily, and they're doubting, and they're looking, and they're acknowledging they can't do anything with the problem, and here's this boy out of nowhere. He's like, I don't have a lot, but I can give what I have. I don't have a lot, but I can give what I have. And, and I just wonder today, like, how, how many of us have bought into to what Andrew's saying, right? It's not enough. I mean, you know, you, you can't teach. You can't sing. You, you can't serve. You can't park cars. You look dumb. It's hot. You, you can't make coffee. You can't make food. You can't give. You don't have enough money, right? You don't have enough stuff. You you're trying to save up for this or you know whatever the lie is you're you're not smart enough you're not good enough you're not you're not so we go you know what okay i'll just keep this i don't have much time so i'll just keep what i got i don't have much money so i'll just keep what i got i don't have i don't have much intelligence so i'll just keep what i got i don't have much talent so i'll just keep what i got we're like spiritual hoarders right I gave you something, but it's not enough. You're not super blessed like that person. Well, maybe you're not blessed because you've never given it over to Jesus, right? right. See, a lot of times God doesn't take those who are equipped, right? He just takes those who are willing. Right. Actually, it all starts that way. You, you know where leaders in the church come from? Janitors a lot of times, right? I just Somebody needs to sweep, so I'll sweep, right? Somebody's a mop, so I'll mop. I can't do everything, but I can do something, right? Or, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm not talented, but I'll do something. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to bless that. I see your heart. I'm going to bless it. You gave me your heart. And in my hands, your heart is going to be an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless it, and I'm going to break it. What do you mean you're going to break it? it? Sounds like this. You're not close to me. You don't really know me yet. You don't care about me. You're not really worshiping, are you? You're just here because you got to be here, aren't you? And we're like, oh, God, don't tell me those things. Don't tell me those things. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And God's like, no, step into it. Yeah. Multiply in your heart, right? Yeah. You're not close. Now there's more. You don't care. Now there's more. Don't run from it. See, the reality of it is none of us have a lot. None of us really have anything we can offer. Like we're standing beside Jesus, who's the king of the universe, who can do everything and who has everything and who spoke everything. We're standing behind that guy. Nobody's really impressive compared to him. But you know what? He'll use the people who will be all in with him. He'll use the people who, who will step into instead of away from He'll use the people who say, you know what, I don't have much, but I have, I have something, and I'll give it. 
And if we would not hold back, right? That's where we started at. If we would not hold back, oh, but God, I don't have much. Oh, but God, I can't do much. Oh, but God, I can't, I can't. You can still say you can't, but do it this way. I can't. What would God do if we would step into that? And the answer is a lot, right? Let's pray.